I'm all about building communities, celebrating unique journeys, and sharing stories about the paths people have taken to enter the tech industry. Join me as we explore the skills my guests have learned in their prior jobs, schooling, or life experiences, and how they apply them to their current roles in tech. My guest today has been a full-time software developer slash data engineer for seven years and is a coding bootcamp grad. After getting a bachelor's in molecular biology and working in a cancer research laboratory for several years, she moved to San Francisco to pursue a drastic career change. She currently is a software engineer at Scribed, but when not coding, she's crafting or taking pictures of her bird for the gram. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, and this is We Belong Here, Lessons from Unconventional Paths to Tech. Her name is Tali Hertzka. Tali, welcome to We Belong Here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about my journey. Ditto. Happy to have you. Tell me more about the experiences that you had before you entered the tech industry. Yeah. So the end of high school, I was enamored by biology and had no trouble picking my major. Okay. You knew from the get-go, you were like, I love this. This is my passion. Oh, yeah. As soon as I learned about DNA, I was like, that is for me. I want to research this. I want to learn more about it. Wow. And uh, eventually ended up with a bachelor's in molecular biology and genetics from McGill University in Canada. In Canada. So what was, where did the passion come from or what were you, what about it in particular would you say sparked that, you know, curiosity? I think the concept of molecular pathways and systems was just really appealing to me and jives with the way I think (laughs) in general. Okay. I love that. And so you probably had a great instructor or teacher in high school, like when you were first introduced to it, that sparked that flame, I imagine then, because I feel like stuff like that can either like be hit or miss moments uh, in one's life. Yeah, it was definitely my AP biology teacher. Shout out Mr. Crayling. (laughs) Gosh, I just love gems. I'm a, I am a prior high school English teacher myself. And so, you know, you just like can hear it in people when they just had that aha moment for something and, you know, fell in love with it. Uh, I love that. So, okay. So you studied it in school and then is that what you pursued after McGill? Yeah. So, going back a little bit, always been technical. My dad is a complete technophile and studied engineering. Okay. Um, so actually in my third year of university, I had this epiphany and was like, why am I not learning how to program right now? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually, from that point on, took every computer science elective I could and ended up oh, about cool. three credits short of a minor. Okay. Um, nice. But you don't learn much practically in those classes. You learn data structures and algorithms, which are obviously important and gave me that foundation, but I didn't learn much about web dev at all. Sure. Sure. That's like such a confusing thing, I think, or misnomer for folks that are not in the industry. Like that is such a bizarre thing that happens where like in the four-year degree kind of traditional curriculum, the web dev concepts are, you know, not always a part of the curriculum, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just such a interesting thing that ends up happening that folks then that do have CS degrees, like what they foundationally understand when it, whether it's like big O notation or yeah, like data structures, et cetera, there's just like this difference in, in what is taught versus what is then practiced, but then what is interviewed, et cetera. So it's kind of a fascinating thing, but okay. So, but you, so you, you realized that you wanted to explore more of it, um, and so, you know, took those courses in university. Are you, are you Canadian? Why McGill? I'm not. I actually chose McGill because it was cheaper. <laughs> and okay, I, yeah. I went up to visit a friend and I loved it. And they also have a fantastic uh, molecular biology department. Oh, cool. <laughs> so for that, it was great. And it turned out to be fantastic for computer science and engineering oh also. Um, wow. But when I graduated, I was kind of disappointed because I loved my computer science classes, but I didn't Mm. feel like I was prepared for an actual career in development. I still, I felt like 
I had a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah. That is an interesting piece. It's like, okay, if I have that degree, I should then be able to then apply that or like have those courses in my back pocket. Right. How come now I'm not able to like transfer that to something? It's Definitely. so weird if yeah. you think about it that way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so then did you then go like the route of, uh, you know, a molecular biology career? Yeah. So graduated, felt super inspired still to pursue mm -hmm. a path in biology. I didn't really know yeah. what to do with it, but, and all I thought I could do with it was continue on the academic track and yeah, get a PhD and I don't know, become a professor. I didn't think that far. <laughs> um, sure. I mean, so I, it's also like what is around you and what are you seeing and, yeah. you know, you're flooded by with fo folks that have that degree when you're in school. And so it's like, oh, I guess that's the path forward. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I was also convinced that even if I did want to go into industry, like at a pharmaceutical company or something, mm -hmm. I would still need a PhD to get up the ladder. <laughs> so, right. So, yeah. Yeah. Figured I'd get that out of the way, um, mm -hmm. but wasn't excited about it. I would go back and forth every single day being like, I might kill myself in grad school, but I need this and was very unsure about myself and what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, but that Ugh. was after three years, three and a half years of working at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory on Long Island, which is one of the premier research institutes. And I studied prostate cancer. I worked with mouse models. I was doing wow. physical experiments with my hands all day and doing surgery on mice and doing pathology and just a really, really wide range of scientific experience hands-on. And I loved that job. Damn, I barely so got cool. paid, but I loved that job so much. Uh, so what then pulled you away from that role? Why, why the career switch? Why decide to learn to code? Um, you know, you said you moved to San Francisco from, you know, New York. What, wh why all these big jumps? So three and a half years in, I started preparing for the GRE, took the GRE, sent yeah. out like nine grad school applications. And in the midst of this, I was actually talking to a friend for a long period of time because he had done one of the first coding boot camps ever. This was mm. May 2013. And okay. he had completed a boot camp, I think called Code Academy, which <laughs> not the website. Uh, I think sure. they had a dispute <laughs> about that. Um, so he completed that. And then he started mentoring at another boot camp called Dev Bootcamp. And I look back at our face mes Facebook messages yesterday and realized it was about eight months between when we started talking about it and before I took the leap and applied because uh, I was nervous you had to do video application and I was feeling mm. really really not confident at the time but during the application process for grad school I realized I really didn't want to do it yeah so I yeah on a whim basically he had messaged me that they just opened a campus in New York City and I took the leap and just cool. did the interview and nine hours later got accepted oh. <laughs> so, right and so it's like of, here's I a forced myself right like here's a new opportunity that is totally going off book from what you were pursuing and like that you know it the to get that phd in the that biology path was so prescribed already. Like it was mm -hmm. exact, you knew what you were supposed to do and what was next, et cetera. And then just to jump into something different, totally leap of faith, but also probably was really exciting. And you knew you were curious about code and had enjoyed those courses in college. So yeah, I can see why it's like, hey, let's explore this. Yeah. It was a total leap of faith. And I think within 24 hours, I went from having a quarter life crisis to feeling like the entire world just opened up to me and I could do oh. anything. And it just boosted my confidence a crazy amount. Um, That's so cool. So after 
doing the interview and getting accepted. Mm -hmm. I spoke to, I guess, the instructor or the head of the program and also on a whim, I thought of this while I was on the phone with them. I was like, I've always wanted to go to Silicon Valley. Do you have any openings at the San Francisco uh, campus? No way. (laughs) And they were like, yeah. And I was like, cool, sign me up for that. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Imagine a job where you can work whenever you want, on whatever you want, from wherever you want. Hello, white sand beaches of Thailand or the comfort of your own couch. Oh, and you're your own boss. Now, what if I told you that dream could become your reality? This is the life of a freelancer, and with some hard work and the help of Hectic, it could be your life too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers who are just getting started or looking to take their freelance business to the next level. Hectic is everything a freelancer needs to get started, from an easy-to-use contracts and proposal builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoices that features click-to-pay technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. Built specifically for freelancers, Hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com slash webelonghere to learn more and start for free. Yep, adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through the gethecticapp.com slash webelonghere, you'll be supporting me in this podcast because who couldn't use a little extra support right now? Visit gethecticapp.com slash webelonghere to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use in the way you've always dreamed of. Cool. I'll do that one instead of the place of where I'm living right now. Exactly. I live 20 minutes outside of New York City. Oh my gosh. Uh, good for you though. You know, it's like, you know, if I'm going to take a leap, might as well really jump. Right. Like let's freaking do it and see what happens. And yeah, there's a, this is an opportunity. I've always wanted to do this. Let's go. Yeah. I, good for it you. was been a, an even bigger leap because I was making zero money at the time, very little. And Ugh. in three and a half years, I had managed to save uh, maybe $13,000. Because I was living with my parents, thankfully. Sure, sure. And yeah. the tuition for the boot camp was eleven thousand dollars. <laughs> so oh that left me two grand, uh, which I used to live in a quote unquote hacker house, which was actually a warehouse with bunk beds on Folsom oh. Street in San Francisco. <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's where I okay. stayed during the boot camp. Bootcamp was like, what, a couple months long? Yeah. So Dev Bootcamp was nine weeks of self-study and nine weeks on-site. Very, very intensive study, like 14 hours a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You got to stretch that $2,000, though. It's like, that's what you have. That's what you're going to make work. And not a cheap or affordable city. So yeah, just figuring, oh my gosh, good for you. That's yeah, awesome I found though. That on Airbnb and it's right near the Moscone Center. So it was mostly <laughs> people rotating in and out for like two, three days. Um, it was also, sure. there were 10 beds for women and the rest was about 70 men. <laughs> it was a very interesting experience. But it yeah, felt like I a mean, like true San Francisco hacker startup yeah. life experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm triggered because I'm like, uh, were you safe? Was yeah. it like emotionally, physically safe place for you? But it sounds like it, you know, worked out. And yeah, I mean, like when you're thinking of that, like quintessential startup, you know, Silicon Valley. I don't know all of those things. Those kind of the stereotypes of that mm-hmm. lifestyle, like. It fits into that of like, I'm going to hustle to figure this out and make it work. And how, how did then, you know, you're always then curious, I'm, or I'm always curious about then the moment after you finish the program, what happened next? Like, how long did it take to find your first role? What did that piece look like for you? Yeah. So I'll talk about this 
later in terms of what makes me unique and why <laughs> we're here. But sure. long story short, because of my biology background, and I didn't mm. realize this before I moved out here, I'm in a really, I'm almost a unicorn in the in biotech industry. So mm. about six weeks in, I had like just learned what Ajax was, like barely mm-hmm. knew anything. But I started looking at AngelList for jobs because I thought it would take a while to land a position. Okay. <laughs> and it turned out that I signed an offer with a company at six weeks into the program and was the first one to actually, the only oh. person that finished the boot camp with a job lined up. So you, oh, I see. So you had already figured that out before you had finished. Yeah, completely. Hell yeah, accidentally. So I started at that company the Monday after I graduated. Oh, okay, so say more of that because I know listeners will be curious. Like, what was that? See, what was the accident there? Like, how did you land that? So it just so happened. So this company was called Transcriptic. They're now called Stratios, and the okay. whole concept of this company is it's a bunch of mechanical engineers and uh, biotechnologists who hmm. built a shipping container-sized robot and stuck all the equipment you would have in a physical molecular biology laboratory into this robot with an arm connecting all the machines that would do experiments for you via the internet. Uh, So in essence, I was programming a robot to do what my old job was. Damn, what a funny combination. Yeah, Yeah, maybe lucky, accidental. Wow. I mean, that is... Yeah, you're so like it was, the perfect person for that right. interview. I'm sure so they were I, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I think what made it so fortuitous is they probably couldn't have imagined that a person with my experience existed exactly. in the world. <laughs> like, immediately they were like, yes, please come work for us. Got it. Got it. Yeah. That's wild and exciting and probably like felt really good while doing the program to know that you had something lined up. That's yeah. just like that moment of security, knowing that something is going to, yeah, I don't know. There's like, you definitely want to continue learning and like get as much as you can out of the program so that you're ready to jump into that role once you're done or come Monday of after graduation. Definitely uh, super confidence boosting and super validating that. Sure. Wow, I made the right decision, even though this was crazy. I decided within a day to move to San Francisco and quit my job. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, so, okay, so I normally ask, like, you know, what do you think, you know, what kept you from entering the tech industry before you did? It sounds like it was really just like you had another passion that won out first and foremost, but because you weren't really sure where that was going to go, like what the next steps were going to look like for you, or you weren't excited about that PhD route that like, then that kind of allowed for something, a new door to open for this new passion. Yeah, it was definitely partly that and partly a lot of self-confidence issues. Mm, I went back and, you know, I didn't even realize, and I messaged this guy yesterday and thanked him profusely because I went back in our messages and he was the biggest cheerleader. At the time I was telling him, I really want to learn how to code and practically build things, but all I know is syntax and data structures and I don't know anything practical and I'll never Mm. be able to learn this. And, you know, it, it feels like a lost cause. And he was like, no, keep trying. And eventually it was like, join this boot camp, And I think it would really help you. So it was definitely yeah. imposter syndrome, low confidence, because in those classes in university, I was one of three women out of 150 right. students. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of is like, the opposite of we belong here. <laughs> like, right, that's yeah. That's the that I don't belong here. Exactly. And uh, one of the last cl- classes I took actually was on uh, optimization and big O, for example. And I'm one of those okay. women that was told my entire life that women are bad at math. Yeah. So I, I, I got kind of scared away by that course saying, okay, mm. maybe I've reached my limit. Maybe since I'm bad at math, I can't program. Right. This is a blocker. And Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, 
so relatable, first of all. <laughs> like, yeah, I hear you 100%. And like, it's just wild. And it, but thank goodness for cheerleaders like that, mm-hmm. as you said, and people that, you know, are like encouraging and can see beyond the negative self-talk that we allow ourselves to sh- tell to our what, ourselves and like, you know, kind of break down that and be louder than that self-doubt. Uh, and yeah, it's just like so encouraging. Like, and that was early days of boot camps too. And so like, it was a whole new concept. Yeah. It was like, is this legit? Yeah, exactly. And, and there, now it's just like the process of like, which one, there are so many different ones, you know, that are, are like making sense of those narratives, but just itself in a concept was probably so foreign. Oh, I love it. So, okay. So uh, bring us to today. Can you tell me more about what you do as a software engineer at Scribd? Yeah. So um, first of all, <laughs> no one knows this, but it's pronounced Scribd, but I, I forgive My you. Bad. Oh, I, I didn't know the scribd. So. <laughs> scribd. You know, interesting would love to give them some feedback on that they're po- they're an audiobook um yes. so it's yeah, kind of a got it under audible sure and, sure sure uh, kindle in a- i'm a big audio yeah like um book listener uh and definitely have used my free trial there i feel like that rings a bell oh, um, cool. so <laughs> yeah and we actually just well i'll talk about this more but what i'm specifically working on now is improving our podcast offering so Ooh. i hope we can get this podcast on script heck <laughs> yeah awesome. let's, uh, <laughs> let's do some symbiotic moments here oh, sure yeah. okay i love it very cool um that's awesome no i so working on the podcast piece of things um uh, so that's kind of a shift away from like the biology piece of it like you found something that aligned your two interests but you moved away from that was it just kind of like curiosity to learn other things or what kind of motivated that diversion if you will yeah so uh i don't i don't need to go into it too much but essentially i went from that startup to the life science arm of google which is called verily which oh, cool. was also a huge confidence boost i was one of those Heck, people who just yeah. threw my application in and got a call back but again this the job posting was looking for someone who's worked in a lab before and also knows how to code. So I just really hit the jackpot deciding to find those skills. Um, What makes me different is, and I would say to people who, if in your career path in your industry, there is a track for people who have a specific computing uh, role, it's almost Mm -hmm. better so there are bioinformaticians. There are people who do data analysis specifically dealing with um, biological data. And that's a whole career in itself. But I think what makes me unique right. is I'm not that. I'm not mm-hmm. a statistician. I'm a generalist software developer who happens to have lab experience. Yeah. No, that's interesting. It will. And it's, it's a, it's a good piece of advice, like even more broadly than just science itself. Or like, if you have a background, like if there is a way to merge the two things in which you were doing before and code, like that is going to be so powerful for any application because you can speak both languages in a way. And Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, like, for example, being a prior English teacher myself, like now I've ended up in a role where I'm, I'm a a developer educator. And Mm -hmm. so I, you know, can merge the two, wear both hats, speak the languages of both worlds. And that prior life experience isn't a detriment at all, but instead such an asset. Uh, So yeah, that's a, it's an interesting tip. If it is something you're passionate about also though, because you have to care about it. It's super boring. If it was like, oh, I was doing this other job that I hated. And then I decided to learn to code and like, shit, now I have to merge the two still. Like, no, I was escaping that. So yeah, very particular, like niche advice, but in this case. (laughs) When people come to me saying they want to break into tech because they've seen me do it. That's the number of one piece of advice I give them off the bat. It's like, oh, really? Do you are you happy in your career now, and you just want to level up your skills? Or mm. and some people just don't even think that that's a thing. I think yeah. the most 
powerful thing you can do if you're making this career switch is, and like you said, you have to like the original thing first, but combining basically any other career works with coding. There's software for everything. And most of it's built by people who aren't well-versed in that field. So they're just Mm -hmm. learning about it as they go along, um, Mm -hmm. which drives basically every other developer at Verily, for example. Um, Yeah, that was something I was curious about. Like, how does that differentiate you from your coworkers? And that is in it to... Yeah, hitting the nail on the head, right? Like that's it. Like, because uh, I've experienced, I've been in the lab. And- right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and actually, that leads me back to what we were originally talking about, which is tangented. No, no, that's me. <laughs> um, why I switched to script and why I moved yeah. away from biotech. Um, yeah. One caveat I would give, and this is something you have control over if you pay attention to it, uh, if you're combining a prior skill set with development mm-hmm. is because you speak the language of your users, you might fall into a role where you're maybe still coding, but at the same time doing a lot of requirements gathering and project management type of work, which right. in all of my roles has happened. Uh, I would yes. get pigeonholed. So, and not really feel like a true developer if that makes mm. sense. So you were craving that, like, let me just be yeah. a developer and dive deep into those skills. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what, I get that. Yeah. So what Scribd offered me is, first of all, it's just massive scale. It's the biggest online library. I think it's the biggest, third biggest library in the world, like next to the oh, library cool. of Congress. <laughs> um, so working at scale, working with distributed systems, which makes me feel like a quote unquote real developer, sure, sure, sure. Um, working with languages I and just pieces of technology I hadn't gone to work with. Uh, yeah. One example would be uh, Spark and learning mm. Scala. Cool. Yeah, just the opportunity to level up all those skills, yeah. it sounds like. Like, I'm going to really be pushed to learn new things, on-the-job learning every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, you're such a curious person. Like, you, it sounds like you are really passionate about the learning process mm-hmm. itself, too. And so this was an opportunity just to go, like, fully into that piece. Yeah, I think in software development, the biggest thing I've learned is you cannot learn without failing a lot. <laughs> I remember some of my some of my assignments in university that would now take me no exaggeration five minutes took me twenty hours in university when I was just yeah. learning how to code. Of course, but I, of course, concepts wouldn't have been solidified otherwise. So this is yeah. again another leap I took, saying, and I was very vulnerable with my boss, saying I don't know any of these things, but I'm really, really willing to learn. And I think I'll learn even better because I'm going to have to struggle yeah. to learn it. <laughs> right. Good for you. That's that's so incredible, though, and like speaks so much to your character. I'm sure your boss was like, hell yeah, that yeah. is awesome. Like that's, you know, someone who's willing to be vulnerable and admit what they don't know. There's no ego in that. Right. Like that is but also then just like hungry to dive into it and 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 learn all of that new stuff that's so cool so yeah. it sounds like script is very lucky to have you script <laughs> i'm never gonna call it scribed again i'm right. i'm that's my learn something new script everybody I, I can't stop saying it now script i swear <laughs> i didn't know until my interview <laughs> and that's how <laughs> okay. oh so funny it's yeah. so i didn't know they were the largest or you know up in that largest library um world that's really cool and yeah i mean there's just um i'm like so triggered when you said the library of congress i remember going on a washington dc trip as a kid and someone telling me that it was the largest library in the world or whatever the stat Mm -hmm. is about that place and then going into it and asking where the archie section was (laughs) um and being deeply disappointed that there weren't, there wasn't a comic book section within that library. And I'm, I'm shocked. I was too. And I 
just like when you said, I was like, oh God, it was that like stomach memory of like, oh my gosh, that was, that was a tough one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's, they sound cool. And it sounds like it's a good opportunity to like, yeah, just continuously be leveling up. And also, I don't know, there's just something really fun about this industry itself that you're able to always be discovering new things that we don't know. And it's okay to not know them because it's like, that's a new thing to add to the list of things we get to learn tomorrow. Yeah. And in the end, I like to work on things that I find meaningful. And I am a massive reader. Like, yeah, I read about 50 books a year. So Ooh, it is it. still something I'm, I care about and feel like I'm contributing to the world, which is sure. super important to me. Oh, yeah. It's like a mission driven kind of let me be a part of something. You don't always get that, right? Like that is tough. Um, because everything has tech, that means that then there are so many opportunities, then I guess like, you know, it's the Don't bad think. side of how many great <laughs> opportunities there are in this industry. <laughs> like, Yeah, and no shade, but I, to, to people who work on those things, but for example, no. I was like, I can't see myself building candy crush <laughs> like sure. and i think like that's a great point like you want to be it, it it's like deciding what's most important to you is it like culture is it team is it you know what i'm the product i'm working about and breaking those down when you're looking for roles and yeah if you want to say i want everything and i want them all like i don't want to settle mm -hmm. then hell yeah more power to you i think that that's like a really cool thing to search for also. Um, but it's like helpful to kind of sit down and do that metacognitive work of like, what is, what do I value most? Like, is it to stay remote, you know, even beyond pandemic world? Like, or is it to, you know, I don't know. It's just all these different things that we can, you know, hierarchically rank when we're in that job search moment. That is yeah. an important practice, I think, to do. Definitely. And by the yeah. way, I did get this job during the pandemic, <laughs> which is, in itself feels like an accomplishment. Um, uh, yeah, huh, and, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this, but I think because of the nature, what this podcast is about, is about sure. I think I can be vulnerable and talk about the fact that I originally took a different job <laughs> after oh. I quit my original job at Google in January. And was ultimately deciding between Scribd and a different life science company. Um, and I took, I was unsure of myself and yeah. in retrospect, stupidly took the job mm. that I thought would make more sense in the context of my existing career. I was like, oh, it makes more sense to take this biotech role and um, stay on that path, which is right. what I was doing to myself by applying to grad school. So uh, it's I like started we had that to job. learn the lesson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. wild. Yeah. So uh, I, and by the way, that job paid $25,000 less than I'm currently being paid. Oh, damn. So I really like did the Girl Scout thing and was like, you know, this seems more meaningful to me. So I should take this opportunity. Um, you know, lots of people would kill to work here and kind of got sure. carried away with the that idea um but in the end i took the role onboarded and at six weeks was having panic attacks and basically mm. said it's gonna be hard to quit but i'd rather rip the band-aid now <laughs> before i know anyone yeah. um and before i get <laughs> miserable and instead of six months a year down the line right yeah so i went back to my original yeah. boss who was very keen for me to join and essentially said, look, I made the wrong decision and here are the reasons why I think this company would be better for me. And this is the better fit. Well, also yeah. in the pandemic. Hello, We Belong Here listeners. Today's episode is sponsored by the new We Belong Here Discord community. I recently have been thinking about ways to continue the conversation with guests after each episode, to foster our community, share resources, and stay connected to both the guests and listeners. And I'm excited because we've created a We Belong Here Discord server. What is Discord, you might be asking? Well, it's a voice, video, and text communication service to talk and hang out with your friends and communities. I know, neat, right? 
It will be a place for us to connect, share resources, mentor, and build community together. Everyone is welcome and it promises to be an incredibly inclusive space. It's important to me that everyone has an inclusive community where everyone feels welcome and supported. And this could be yours. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in joining, please do. The link to join is bit.ly slash webelongdiscord. That's bit.ly forward slash webelongdiscord, D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Or find a link in my bio on Twitter or Instagram at lolocoding. I'm super excited to see you there. No, good for you, though. I mean, that is like, I don't know, and knowing deep at your core that like, okay, inevitably this isn't going to work out anyhow. Like, let me just jump ship now. It's freaking terrifying. It, yeah, like pandemic, like, you know, just having just made the, a transition. It, there's just a ton of different factors that, you know, would have been very easy for you to say, I'm just going to stay on course. Right. But I think I mean, it's cool to listen to your gut almost. And oh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, awesome. Yeah, it was a gut feeling. And to be honest, the that original leap I took to move out here and switch careers empowered mm. me to make a lot of other decisions in my life <laughs> that I probably wouldn't have because luckily things have turned out well for me um, when I just took that leap. And this is one of those things too. Yeah. It's like the ripple effect and demonstrating to yourself how cool life can be when you jump into the uncomfortable and sit in that and like explore what that looks like for then how it impacts your identity and how it impacts just like life and relationships and, you know, job is one piece of it, but it's like, it's going to impact everything. Definitely. I almost yeah. accidentally reinvented myself once I moved out here. <laughs> it wasn't intentional at all. It just, my oh. series of actions led to a real confidence boost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I love that. And it's so cool to hear someone like on the other side of it too, to mm -hmm. like, you know, if you're listening to this and it feels like I need to make that life leap also, or you want to like freaking do it. And like, I know, we both know how terrifying that is. And I don't know. It's just like, it can have such incredible rewards or like at the end of it, it can be so that gratifying. One of the questions you sent me before this was, yeah, uh, any life lessons I've learned during? Yeah, tell me. What's a good yeah. Yeah. So one of the one of the biggest things, the number one thing I wrote was, "You don't get what you don't ask for." Mm. <laughs> and oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, that's what I did. Um, and, and I know this is kind of a trope in the whole, especially like women in tech, female empowerment thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. How men tend to go for jobs where they only meet like two of the criteria and women hold yeah. back when they don't meet every single requirement yeah. for the job. Right. Um, you know, one example of not getting what you don't ask for is if you don't apply for that job that you think you're not qualified exactly. for, you're not going to get it no matter what. Um, right. The I'm worst not... thing that happens then is, yeah, you still right. don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the job at Scribd, for example, I've been strictly a python coder for the last six years and doing oh. almost strictly data engineering uh back on parsing csv yeah. type of stuff um and the job requirements for this were scala spark distributed systems um switch uh ruby on rails which i haven't done in six years that's what language sure. the boot camp was taught in Oh, yeah, mine too. But, um, yeah, but it would be, you could see how easy it would be to not apply for that then. Right. Of like, oh, well, I'm not, I don't know those things. I haven't practiced in them in a while or ever. So I can't apply. And like, yeah, I, it's just not true because, right. yeah, like have that conversation with the hiring manager of like, I don't know these yet. I will learn. Like, here's how I know myself as a learner. I know how to teach myself these things and like on the job learning this. I don't know. It's just like, at least put yourself in the room to have the conversation. Yeah, I and I got lucky in the sense that my managers or hiring managers philosophy about career progression has a lot to do with 
pairing mm. more experienced coders with cool. more junior ones and giving people the opportunity to actually level up in that way. Yeah, that's so, great. That was a really great fit. <laughs> yeah, it's a that sounds like a good manager then too. I oh, think yeah. that the, yeah, like it's about finding folks that will help foster good learning environments too and not expect that you know everything right away and you know, are willing to hire, take that risk on people, but also like, you know, it's all about like hiring people that are smarter than you in different ways too. And just like building out a cool, diverse team and that, you know, are going to like solve problems in different unique ways. So yeah, that's, uh, it sounds like you've ended up in a good place. Yeah. Um, and that <laughs> brings me to another life lesson that goes back to combining yeah. secondary passions with coding is, I found a clever way to spin my narrative and make it related to what seems like a really unrelated field. So I remember mm. during my interview saying something like, I've been working adjacent to the largest data set there is almost like every run of a DNA sequencer produces four terabytes of data. And <laughs> yeah, I've been yeah, in the environment right? where that kind of data is being handled. And I was in a similar Smart. role where, I was making sure clean data was available for people <laughs> downstream, which is very much what I'm doing now. So sure. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. You're like, you want a data analysis who understands how to take a big set and make it like consumable for someone. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. <I> got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So definitely super uh, important to be creative and kind of draw those connections for someone who's interviewing you. <laughs> and uh, Yeah. It's a good exercise though. Like take some time, do a journal, like sit down and write about it. Like Definitely. what, how do you transfer those skills? How it's about framing a narrative. How can you tell that story? And it took me for a really long time, surprisingly, an English teacher who in theory should be like freaking great at like telling stories. I think it was better at like a fictional piece, but the, the concept of me myself, like that was too foreign. And so, but like how to then explain that this was stuff that I would be then good or the transferable pieces. It's hard. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's why this podcast existed. I wanted to hear how other people <laughs> were doing, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, like I, I think that that's a really important exercise um, because you know, not every hiring manager is, or even recruiter, like the, the gatekeeper to a role is going to understand how our prior life experiences and lessons and all of that is going to be an asset to a company. So sometimes we just have to like tell them point blank yeah. so that then they get it. And like, then we can be a part of like diversifying teams and I don't know, like helping companies understand the value in that, et cetera. And so it's, it's important work to do. Yeah, definitely just flat out pointing it out Flat and out. drawing those yeah. connections yeah. for someone else yeah. is super helpful and also demonstrates uh, your thinking process and mm -hmm. your communication style. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's showing them that you're a good communicator about like lessons and how you understand things and like then what it would be like to, it simulates like what it'd be like to work on a team with you too right. in a way. Ah, I love it. Uh, okay, so um, let's see. Can you tell me about a time that you felt like an outsider and maybe how you've dealt with those feelings? Yeah, I've kind of touched on it. I Imposter syndrome is real, the For realest sure. thing ever. And especially <laughs> oh my God. joining Google was the most insane feeling ever of mm. how did I get here? How am I working, sure. you know? Sure. Like, four degrees from Jeff Dean. How am I like, how am I working with these nerds who have been coding since they were five in Fortran? Like oh, it's wild. Um, just thinking about those archetypical people and yeah. feeling that imposter syndrome hardcore, even after like three years. Um, but what actually helped me is talking to those colleagues that I thought were super geniuses and realizing that almost everyone it's it's like an inside joke at google that everyone feels like they shouldn't be there not yeah. everyone but a lot of people no that's yeah it's lifting the veil on it a little yeah. bit that like you are not alone in feeling imposter syndrome and like yeah it's just it is 
welcome to the party in a way. Like, come on, we all do. And it's about not faking it, but like learning to cope with those feelings and like continuing to press on and being excited to learn the next thing and not being overwhelmed that that list of things you don't know will forever be long. And that's okay. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, super. Wow. I mean, generally in life, and you could probably tell my philosophy is just being an open book and being yeah, I love very it. vulnerable. Um, and I think that really helps foster good relationships with your coworkers and mm-hmm. uh, get over feelings like that for sure. Mm, definitely. Uh, okay. So I know I want to ask you about resources and things, but I, we said at the start, you're big into crafting. What are we crafting right now? Oh my God. Just oh my God. quarantine. Has, <laughs> I get, first of all, I have, pretty severe ADHD and just can't sit still and have to be using my hand all the time. Yep. Sure, which, sure, sure. by the way, I think... Are you knitting right now? Oh my god, I'm knitting, I'm crocheting, <laughs> I'm knitting. Uh, I also, I during, <laughs> during quarantine, I decided for some reason to get into aquascaping and fish keeping. And I went, <laughs> in one month, I went from one tank to four, so... Oh, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone Fun quarantine has brought us. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Anyone who knows it. me, like the thing about me is how many hobbies I have. So I've been baking a lot it. too. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah. Constantly doing things. Yeah. And the bird. And you've got yeah. the bird. And I have a parrot, which you can Love find it. all over the internet. I, uh, I just moved and there were parrots in my backyard. I live in Miami and there were parrots in my backyard, like a flock of them, or I'm sure there's a word for the grouping of parrots and it was super wonderful. They're really funky noises, but, uh, bright, bright green. And I was so stoked this morning during my coffee. Um, but yeah, cool. Okay. So anyhow, are, what are some like, you know, what do you want listeners to go check out? that, uh, you know, folks that might also be, you know, curious to be breaking into tech um, and or like or on the journey, you know, things that you want them to see? Yeah, I think I personally love Code Academy. Yeah. I think having the, the structure, if basically when someone comes to me and has zero idea about coding whatsoever, wants to see if they like it, my first mm-hmm. thing is, Go to Code Academy, pick a language. I usually recommend Python and sure. um, just go through their exercises in the browser and see if it's something Absolutely. that clicks for you. Because for mm-hmm. some people, it's just like not a thing that they want to work at. And, and maybe it just doesn't work with the way your brain works. Right. So, and then don't waste the time. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. It's worth it to do those exercises and to see if you lose yourself in it. Like, is it interesting? Do you have that aha moment? Because it's going to be a lot of freaking effort if you're not stoked about it. Yeah. Not to say that it has to be your main passion in life. Like you're talking to two humans right now that have like a ton of other passions and right. they're in like, you know, hobbies and things that like excite us, but it also like, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time doing it. So it is worth it to at least like enjoy the process. <laughs> yeah. Most of software engineering is debugging figuring mm-hmm. out why your tests don't pass, trying to set up totally. permissions in AWS. <laughs> like, yeah, 100%. And have, have, <laughs> I think crafting too, and like just having worked in a lab and doing a lot of tedious things throughout my life helps me mm. <laughs> with coding. Great point. Yeah. Um, you you uh, could write a book on like the art of like spinning the path. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can kind of draw those. As an asset, like... Yeah, yeah it's like you know how to, the art of getting others to perceive our unique past yes. as in you know the now and there's just something really cool there that you have like really nailed but it's just such good advice and like you know spend time thinking about those things because when you can talk about it and communicate it like whoo what a giant sigh of release relief that is for uh, a man like anyone just in that like job application process yeah I would I would say it's one of the most important things that has advanced me in my career. Because if you're just open about what you don't know and Mm. convince the person that you're willing to try, uh, (laughs) like a lot of times that's enough to convince someone to take a 
take a leap on you. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm talking a lot with my some mentees that have like finished programs and are like, you know, that decision of when to start applying mm-hmm. is so tough. And it's like, yes. just start, just yeah, start just applying. And like, and only you don't know it yet. And like, then demonstrate how you're going to learn it while you're there. I don't know. There's just something, but it's scary. And I don't mean to speak diminutively of, uh, of how terrifying that part of the journey is. So, you know, there's also like tons of, you know, the communities out there and wants to support you too, if this is like the stage that you're at. Um, so I don't want to make it seem like I just easily glided from job to job because what you just said is so true. Um, it took me three and a half years at my previous position in which I was doing this really niche thing and doing a lot of PM work, I basically convinced mm-hmm. myself that because I wasn't a quote unquote real developer yet, I couldn't move on to a real developer. Oh, job. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So Oof. that took, that took a long time to build myself up uh, Damn. and make that jump. Make the jump. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad you did. It sounds like the good for you. That's awesome though, because uh, yeah, it sucks to be like feel pigeonholed mm-hmm. into something yeah. and yeah, like not challenged in the way that you want to be. So that's so cool. I'm so yeah. I'm so glad <laughs> to have chatted with you today. Um, where uh, can people find you online? Uh, easiest is probably LinkedIn or my parrot's Instagram, which is Feather Tango. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, and I will in the show notes. <laughs> I might regret saying this, but truly my side passion is helping other people get jobs in dev. Uh, um I love tearing apart people's resumes and I think I've just picked up a lot of tips over the years. So nice. um, feel free to message me on LinkedIn yeah. and I can at least offer a resume review. Um, awesome oh well thank you and thank you for you know sharing your journey sharing your wisdom and advice with the listeners we so so appreciate you i personally appreciate you so much it's been so fun chatting with you yeah Uh, yeah. Uh, i will talk to you soon awesome sounds good all right Bye. bye and that's a wrap on today's episode I'm Lauren Lee. Thank you for listening to We Belong Here. If you have any questions about this or any other episode, find me on Twitter at Lolo Coding. That's L-O-L-O-C-O-D-I-N-G. Shoot me an email or leave a comment on the We Belong Here website. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please subscribe and review the show on your podcast player of choice. And be sure to check us out next week for another story and lessons learned from an unconventional path to tech.